right. So let's take a look at Psalm 25. Because when we go into the covenant, uh, we're going to see many laws in the covenant. But to understand why we're doing what we're doing, we should do that first before we go into the laws. Um, the laws are good, but, you know, without reason to do them, we're just doing them. Why do we keep the Sabbath day? What, what, why should we work together? You know, um, who is called by his name? And um, is there, you know, is there peace in doing all this? So the best peace I get, you know, when I order my steps to keep the seventh day, it's been peace in my life. All right. So Psalm 25, and let's begin at... Um, so let's start at um, verse, and everyone can take turns reading this because these are going to be like. We're reading, I think it is from three books today, Psalm, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. So from these books, we will see his plan. Um, but we'll be going through, you know, uh, different chapters throughout each, each of these books. So if we can take a look at Psalm 25, and we'll start at... Um, One through fourteen. So we can rotate this. Whoever wants to start first, uh, you're welcome. You What's that? To you, O oh Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, I trust. O oh my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, for it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confines in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. All right. So 
He don't make his covenant known to everyone, but those that fear him. So his plans, as you see, you're going to get into your work, whether it be your profession, whether it be uh, just in society. You're going to see people. Um, you make make uh, enemies may come. You know, people want to rule over you. People want to tell you hey, you should do it this way. You know, it's not the right way to do it. So he says he's the one that um, he's going to teach you his path. And he's going to deliver you. So we have to know him because when we go out there dealing with other people, you know, we have to know that he is the one that we call on. He's the one that teaches us and instructs us how to deal with these people. So if we don't work with ourselves, then how we learn how to work with other people? We have to start praying for each other. So when we don't work with together, then we have no way of calling on him when we go around other people. So he says sinners, they will learn. They will learn from when, when they're dealing with you, they're wrong. They will learn. He says he would teach sinners in the way. So he teach them through you because you're keeping the covenant. And they will learn from you. And the meek he will guide in judgment. If you're meek, he's going to guide you. So in judgment, the bad, the bad thing won't happen to you. It happens to those who are against you. And as you see the last verse, it says, Redeem Israel, redeem Israel, O Yah, out of all his troubles. So it's up to us and how we go about um, this life on earth. He's teaching us if we want to fear him, to put him first is to fear him in all our ways and all our doings. We have to ask ourselves, am I doing according to what he says in this covenant? If I'm out of character, if I'm out of line, I need to humble myself and get into his ways. And that, his ways is mercy. Amen. 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 Okay. If uh, no other comments, we'll go to Psalm 50. Next question. Psalm 50, and we will look at. Psalm chapter 50. Yeah, we're going to Psalm chapter 50 now. Uh, chapter 50? Yeah, chapter 50. And this is 1 through 7. The mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, purpose and beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me this consecrated people who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is the God of justice. 
Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. Amen. 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 This is interesting because the reason why I went to 1 through 7, because all from 8 to 14, it talks about all that is his. But the rest of it, 15 through 23, is important too because it talks about, it reaffirms what we just read about calling upon him. Like a lot of times we wait till we get into trouble to say anything. But we need to know how to keep ourselves. He says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. He has shined. He's shining you when you're doing the things that he said. That is how, it's pu- how beautiful you are, how, how wonderful you are. He says, keep not silence. Uh, a fire shall devour before him. So if you know the truth, you ought to do the truth. Don't hold it back. Um, he shall call the heavens from above and the people, he, that he may judge his people. He judged the people with the truth. The truth is the two-edged sword, what comes out of your mouth. Okay. Uh, gather the saints together. So my saints, gather my saints together. You know, the saints are the most righteous. They're the righteous people. So he says, with them I made, those have I made a covenant. And this covenant was honored. You know, when you have a covenant agreement, and the agreement is honored, so that's who he, that's when he says, this is righteousness. This is uh, the beauty of perfection. So when you live by this, this is how you testify on your behalf, on the things that you've done in your body, on the earth. And that's how the meek shall inherit the earth. People say the meek, but who are the meek? The meek are the saints, the saints of the Most High. Even they shall judge the earth. So in 15, he says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But unto the wicked, Yah says, What has you to do to declare my statutes, my laws? Or that you should have taken my covenant in your mouth? See it that you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? When you saw the thief, then you consented with him and has been a partaker with adulteries. You have given your mouth to evil and your tongue framed deceit, and you sitteth and speaketh against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I keep silence and kept and I kept silence. So anything, nothing happened to you, you've seen these things, you didn't say nothing about it. You thought it that I was altogether such as one as yourself. You thought that what you were doing was okay because nothing happened. But I will reprove you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, that you forget, Yah, lest I tear you to pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordered his conversation aright, I will show him salvation of Yah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, he is looking at what we do, what we say. He was looking at it. just because things don't happen. You may say things behind someone else's uh, knowing, but he knows the intentions of your heart. He knows everything. So he knows your conversation. He says, I will tear you to pieces just because nothing happened to you now. You may have a bitter old age. You know, that may be the sorrows of your life. So we don't know the outcome of people until we see 
um, how they lived out their end of their life. Then we say, oh, okay, you've been true all the way through, tried and true. Because you can start this thing, but then later on you could become something else. You fall away. So when we know these things, we have to uh, honor him with truth, the truth of our mouth. Don't hold it in. Speak it. Get it out. But it's how we give it out. Because he's always talking about a character, about being meek, humble. It doesn't mean that we don't say anything. It doesn't mean that we just let things fly and let it go. We have to speak about it, the injustice of the truth. We have to speak it. Okay. Any comments? If not, we go to Psalm 89. So all this, how do we know his plan if we don't know how to carry it out? Carry out his instruction. Carry out the way that we live. Carrying out this instruction and how we live is so important for his plans. We cannot fulfill any of his plans if we don't know how to take it from one day to the next day and to complete our work. All this glorifying us in the work that we do, and it praises him. We didn't let nothing slip or slide. In Psalm 98, uh, we're going to take a look at verses 80, 89. 89. Um, we have... Verses 3 through 8, then 14 through 18, and then I'll do the last part. Uh, What are the verses again? 3 through 8, and 14 through 18. Because his plan is to gather back his people. So how he's going to gather back his people? And that's what we're going to see about his plan. But it takes a certain type of people who he reserved. He's going to only reserve a certain set of people. Do we just live and just die and never come back again? So we need to know what his plans is for us on earth as we're going from one day to the next. So this is Psalms 89. Three through eight. Okay, you guys want me to read it? And 14 through 18. All right. Uh, can I read it? Yes. Okay. Starting at uh, verse 3. Yes. Chapter 89 of Psalms. You say, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your fearfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the sky above can compare with the Lord, who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him, who is like you. 
Lord God Almighty, you, Lord Almighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Amen. Should we continue to uh, to verse 14 to 18? Yes. Okay. Verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of the throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our home. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, a king to the Holy One of Israel. Amen. So um, this is very important because last week we read Psalm 82 that he stands in the congregation of the gods. And so we see the same thing in verse 7. He says he greatly feared in the assembly, the assembly, the congregation of the saints. And he says you are gods. And so we see the saints. We see the same thing who he is exactly talking to. So sometimes we need other scriptures to give us precepts of greater meaning of the type of character he's looking for. Because he says other people, they would die like men. But these, he says, in the saints, that's where he is greatly feared. And only the saints fear him, because they do according to his covenant. And in, and in them, his reverence, his respect is a great respect. So... He's looking for faithful. He's looking for the faithful. And um, this is very important. As we see justice and judgment, that's where his throne is. So how can truth be established without justice? Making sure that what was in darkness be brought to light. And he says, mercy and truth go before your face when you do this. Because you inhabit his throne. So we have to know that wherever we go, we inhabit the throne of a king. We are royalty. How we treat each other, we don't do as what other people do around us in our society. We are royalty because our father has a throne and he made us be in his presence. So if you're in his presence, you're royalty. In 15, it says, blessed is the people that know the joyful sound they shall walk in the light of his countenance. You bless when you walk like that. You bless when you talk like that. Everybody see you, they rejoice. He says, "In the righteous, they shall be exalted." So when the righteous come around, everybody should see your presence because your work and what you do, people know that you hold the truth accountable. You, they know your work. They fear of not doing right. I mean, doing wrong. They fear not doing wrong around you. So Yah is your defense. The Holy One of Israel, he's your king. All right. And just to finish out this chapter, uh, I'm going to read uh, verse 30 through 40. Because um, this is the thing when we don't keep his commandments, this is what happens to us. He says, if his children forsake my law 
and walk not by my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then I will visit their transgression with a rod and their iniquity with stripes. What that looks like is our families falling apart, you know, and, you know, the people of another nation are ruling over you. That's what happens. You don't rule over yourselves, and other people rule over you. That's how he visits you with these strikes. Other people will eat up everything that you bought. You know, you, you work hard for money, and you can't get up to enjoy your rest. This is what happens when we break his uh, statues. And the things you had that were good, you don't enjoy it no more. So he says in 33, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto King David, his seed shall endure forever, and his throne shall be as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah. But you cast off and abhor, you have been wroth with your anointed. You have made void the covenant of your servant. You have profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. You have broken down all, the hedge, all of his hedges. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. So what this is, saying is that King David, when you don't honor this covenant, this is what you're doing to your king. He's saying that, you know, the word of God don't mean no more because King David, his, he's going to be king of all Israel. And so he's going to gather us together wherever we've been scattered. Then that means that we have a more, if we want to be in the kingdom, then guess what? The kingdom starts with the house of David. It starts there because he appointed him king forever. So he has order in his kingdom, and he made King David the head of the, the kingdom in terms of the order of the people. He said King David would be the one, the branch to feed the people. So this is um, the order of this covenant and how he his plans are for us. So when we don't keep this you dishonor your king. You, you dishonor not just your maker, your creator, but you're saying you don't want to be in the kingdom. We said the kingdom of heaven is coming on earth, but he appointed King David over the kingdom on earth. But he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. And that's how his kingdom will be brought here on earth. So he says you ruin, you ruin everything for the kingdom. You make his uh, house not to stand. So then you can't be in the kingdom. You can't be in his kingdom. He would not be pleased with that. So uh, these are the things we may not think about, but his plans are here in his word. You know, what he's going to do with us on earth, how he's going to order his kingdom on earth. How does he order our steps? All right. So just like you said earlier about profession, there's hierarchy. There's hierarchy in this kingdom. And he, may, he appointed King David to be king of all this realm. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. 
All right. Let's take a look at Psalm 105. So Psalm 105, this one, we're going to look at verses 6 through 15, and we're going to see, because also he made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're going to see how the covenant he made with Abraham, how does that play with uh, King David coming on the throne? How does that take place? These are the plans. He made the plans with the patriarchs. We want to see the plans that he said with King David. How does that stand with um, the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because these covenants, they are eternal covenants. When he make a promise, it, it is established forever. It don't change. But our righteousness and our work, because all these men that we see, they did good work. And their work is a measure of their faith. So we want our work to be good to be established in the kingdom. So this is Psalm 105, 6 through 15. Yes. Okay. I'm going to step the next one. 6 through 15, 105. You, okay. his servant, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a degree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Cain as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. No harm. He called down them on the land and destroyed all their supplies for food. That's good. That's good. So he says, uh, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. Just like no matter what hierarchy you are, even kings, they couldn't touch the prophets. They couldn't do, they couldn't do that. So no matter who's over you, in your work, they can't, they, can't, they can't touch you. Your righteousness answered for you. Your righteousness is your anointing. So it's important for us to speak the truth. Because what do the prophets do? Anybody's a prophet. What what is the role of a prophet? What is their purpose? Uh, yeah, speak God's word to the people. Let them know what it is they need to do and talk about God's plan. Show them the way. Yeah. Like, if the prophets don't tell the people the truth, will the people turn from their ways? No. So usually people, uh, they're given a vision, maybe for signs or something they need to do. They're on the right path, but it's something they need to do. 
so they can give them something that's on the way of their journey to bless them. They can give them a blessing. But for the most part, it's to make sure the fear of Yah is in the people. Because sometimes people, they may not um, have that connection. So the prophets have more spiritual connection to him than what regular people have. Because regular people are probably busy in their work. The less time you spend with Yah, the less he connected. So prophets are sent to deliver the message. So if you are doing what uh, he says back to Moses, he said, would all his children be prophets? So it doesn't mean that you can't be a prophet. It, what matters is your connection to him. Because does he, do, do he, does he work with you? Do you work enough with him that he may reveal to you the truth and what he wants you to do? And do you, and what the prophets do, they're not going to shut up the truth from their bones. They have to speak what is on their heart. Otherwise, they're not a prophet. They have to speak the truth what's on their heart. But they know how to speak, whether it be the kings, people in authority, people not in authority. That's how you speak. So uh, he sent up the prophets, and he says, touch them not. He protects them. Okay, so from Psalm 105, as we see uh, what he is talking about um, here, we see that he has confirmed the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're going to see about the kingdom and how it's going to be established into King David. Um, he says he's going to make King David um, over um, all of Abraham's seed. So we're going to look at all that as we go into Psalm 111. In Psalm 11, we'll take it from verse 1 through 10. And this is just going back over the same thing we've been talking about. Um, his commandments and those things there, but we can just glance through one eleven. Uh, we don't. Um, there's another one I want to go into, but this is the last of the psalms here. One eleven. One eleven. This is the last of the psalms. Um, there's something else that um, I want to go into about King David. This is all about his plans. But if you just glance at this here, we can meditate on this one here. Just want to take a break to glance and meditate on Psalm 111. Because this is really about our work. It's about our work in his kingdom. That's his plan. How he will redeem us um, by keeping of his covenant. And once you're done with this, um, you say, um, Amen, Hallelujah, uh, when you're done, yeah. um, his people, the power that he has for you. We, a lot of times, don't know our power. Because we're so busy in the work without giving him the praise of his covenant. 
Amen. 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 If there's anything you got from Psalm 111, if you'd like to share, please share. Um, but this is all about his covenant and the work, because he made agreement with us to be above the nations, not to be below the nations. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So when we are below the nations, when we're not doing well, um, we have to go back and remember his covenant and find out what is it that we're not doing. And then we will rise. So he's looking at our work. Is it is it good? Is it honorable? That's where everything starts at. Starts with our work and how we're mindful of this covenant, how we're treating people. And are we seeking wisdom in what we're doing? Because wisdom is having a good understanding. If we don't have a good understanding of what we're doing, we're not growing. So we we rest from being perfect because everything that was made in the beginning, within the six days, it was perfect. Because he had a good understanding. He created everything with wisdom. And that is your rest. Your wisdom is your rest. So if you don't have enough wisdom in what you do, it's going to be difficult for you to rest. So he made us in his image to rest in our wisdom, and we have perfected the way of our work. And so this is the plan that he has for us. Because everything is ordered by your steps. Is ordered through your understanding of your work. Yeah. Anything anyone else has to uh, speak up on this here? Okay. All right, let's take a look at Jeremiah 31. Wait, 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 wait. Give me a second. Okay. Now, I just want to, there's uh, two verses here. Actually, yeah, two verses here that, uh, you know, that I took into consideration and I want to share with everybody else, or at least maybe it may grab their attention also a bit more. First one is uh, verse 5. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belong eternal praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The, uh, the, the first verse that I read, right? Just mm-hmm. that verse by itself. He provides food for those who share it. He remembers. The, the, some, uh, the line that struck me the most is, you know, he remembers his coming forever. Okay. So, but right before that, on the same verse, it says, he provides foods for those who fear him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm back. Mm. Right. Psalm 11.5. What I, no, 1.11. Yeah. So, I'm not saying that uh, to, to stay fear in the next man or whatnot. No, that's not what I'm advocating for here. But what I'm pointing to here is that no matter what, the upper hand or lower end that you know you may be dead in life that at the bottom uh, at the end of uh, of the day that you have to hold your word forever this is I guess one of the attributes that that define holiness and I guess you know it also helped the world being grace too. Okay? That's one thing. Okay? Remember your covenant forever and mean forever respecting the words. I mean, if you if you promise to give somebody five dollars, right? But you don't have it to give it to them. Are you breaking your word to that person? You promised to give to them. You made you made a promise to give them five, mm-hmm. but you don't have five to give them. Mm-hmm. You knew that you. How would? Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. right. So. If he said he remembers his covenant forever, I believe him being amongst, you know, the holy of the holy, it means that he's not just remembering it. He's not just remembering it. He will actually act upon it whenever he can, right? He, he won't just remember and just forget about it, right? Because he's, he's the most holy. Remember, remembering an oath is actually respecting it. And respecting an oath let me working toward it, right? Because in order to, to fulfill an oath, you got to work toward fulfilling it, right? Yeah. Because if you say, yeah. if he says five generations will be blessed, but not, it won't happen over a second. Those generations don't all come at the same second, right? Yeah. Each generation come and go, right? Yeah. So, it's, so remembering it, you got to remember to continuously work toward it, right? Because you got to work toward the operation too, right? Right. Yeah. So what we may not remember is that 
He formed everything. The earth is his. Everything is already done. His work is perfected. It's our work that's not perfected. So we have to work to to match what he's saying. (laughs) And when we do work, it's still not enough. So we have to be very diligent, very um, meticulous about how we go about this work to make it masterful. So our work should be for the best. It shouldn't be any type of work. I do it just to get by is not enough. So if you say, I promise to give you $5, I got to do a lot of work to get you that $5. I have to perform that action. All right. That $5, you won't get it right away, right? You need time, right? But for you to arrive at being able to give, uh, to actually hand me over that five, right? Is you respecting? You gotta remember it first. Once you don't remember, well, you, you, if you don't remember, you not, you're not ever gonna you know, hand over that five, right? So remembering it, right? In righteousness I mean if you remember, no, that means you actually respect it, and respecting that oath, it means you're working toward, you know, accomplishing that oath that you took. But if you don't have the five dollars, why you have to promise? No, that's not a. It come out of your mouth. It better not you say it. Then it come out of your mouth. Right. You, so. You and, right. You, you so you can forget to about it. that five. Right. You shouldn't have done it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes it's so quick to say stuff, and our situation may uh, not be ready to match our words. Right. But you know what? They say only God judges, right? Well, you know, and then also the timing of things. You may mean it within a certain time. Amen. Say before that time comes that, hey, I were not able to do it, we still in good standing. But when we let Amen. it linger, it becomes um, our word. You know, our word is our, our what we speak is our power. So people respect that based on what you carry out, your action. Otherwise, they say, I don't know if you're going to do that or not. I don't know. So, so we talk about faith here. How can I have faith and um, you say something and then I come to pass? Because we're in his image. We are, we, are, we are God. So to play with this, this is power. How much power are you believing yourself to be in his image? And so we have to really know or spend time with ourselves to know what we say if it comes to pass or not. I'm not sure of the situation. I may not speak it right now. I'm not sure. I would like to do it, but I'm not sure if I'd be able to. You know, but if you speak it, you should be able to perform it. But if you have some inclination of, oh, I was relying on this, and something took away that from me, let me forewarn. Yeah. But but it says uh, in verse ten, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. So how can we even judge, right? So to fear him is to do his covenant. 
is to I know um, I will be a sinner if I do something against it. How should he say that I am able to appear? What does my character look like? What does it make me to be a saint? They say the saints fear him. Why? Because they keep his covenant. So the saints know it very well. So no matter what situations are, you are your best. You did not sin. You did not do anything that he would not expect you not to do. So he will come to your rescue. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, but but uh, but the thing is, right? Is it that the saints know him for he's the, for he's the Most High and the All Knowing, right? So is it that the saints know him, or do, do the saint knows that he remembers his covenant forever? Yeah. How many people trust in him to do the right thing, no matter who is looking? If I can get away with but, it, well, I do. Yeah, but what do we trust in God? It's not that we know him, but it's because we trust his covenant, right? Mm-hmm. His covenant, is, he says his covenant, right? So that is trusting in him. It's, that's his truth. So the only way you're going to know him is through his covenant. He has to give you the truth. You don't know him without it. But by the law covenant, right, is... Uh, is that like okay? I won't say set in stone. I don't even know, but it is well defined, right? We could say the rules of life. I don't know how it is in heaven, how it is with the other beings. But what has been taught to us through those books, right? That we read, right? And they say even we, as humans, saying that we love God, right? That only has meaning when we receive when we respect. His commands, right? His laws, right? Yeah. It's like a father. Mm -hmm. Right. And the only way we can know him, we don't go and learn about God to see what it is made out of, you know, his Mm -hmm. atoms or whatever particles or, you know, it is made out of. No. We learn about knowing him through his rules, the rules of law, right? So, if could the only way that the righteous, right, could could like okay, nobody here can you know I ain't trying to judge anything, but according according to the book, right. Righteousness is, according to the books, is based on, you know, certain acts, certain behaviors, and certain ways of orienting your mind, right? Okay. That's what he said, being righteousness, right? Well, his righteousness, he says, is your truth. Okay? He says, sanctify them with your truth. The truth is your word. The word is righteousness. So when you live this, you are righteous when you live it. It's like you are living, breathing word. Like Yeshua, he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. So what is blood? Blood is forgiveness because in my blood, I don't have no nothing against you, you know, no sin against you, right? He says, your sins, I remember it no more, right? So your blood is at peace, right? And then he says, eat my flesh. The flesh, what is the flesh? The flesh is about what you do in your body. Do you sin in your body? There's no part of iniquity inside of my heart and my body. 
in my mind. So in my body, in my heart, I don't have any anything that I do wrong because there's no violation of an agreement that I have. Because he says, you are my bride. So like a husband, he takes a woman to marry. He married her for himself to be one with. So you, you have to reveal your nakedness of your truth. So it's your truth that you are righteousness with. So when a prophet speaks to the people, the prophets, they are one with him because they speak in the truth. And they can only have his words abiding in them, which is their life, they're putting their life on the line. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're putting their life on the line. They're naked with the truth, and they will reveal it to whoever he shows them to reveal it to. So that truth that you live by is your righteousness. Okay. So the word is just instruction. That's all the word is. The word is just instruction. But you're going to get into right. situations with people, and you have to live out that truth, which is, Hey, you know, this situation somebody put me in, they're trying to blackmail me, right? They try to they try to tell make me look like I appeared to do something that's wrong and I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. But how how I handle a situation has to be done with according to his ways. Now, I can't just read the scripture and see how I'm gonna deal with that. I have to deal with it in truth. I have to think. I have to think about, hey, what are the things that I was in that, you know, that could make me not guilty of this? Because you have to bring up account. So we're looking at you have to be able to think as a judge. You have to judge the cause in your matter. You're judging yourself now. You don't judge yourself, then how can you make this situation look like it never, like you are, you know, that you are being framed? So what do a judge look for? He did investigate the matter to see how did it take place. So if you don't think about how did it take place or how could it not have taken place, then how can you judge a matter if someone else came with the same situation? So, so that's the thing. You have to look at the pieces of the puzzle. What have you in accusation? People are bringing before you accusations. So when we judge, we say we judge righteous judgments according to the truth. So I get who, what, when, where, what was involved, what took place, how did it take place. Yeah. Who who were the people involved? Is it just only one person? Then how do I know that you were here at this time, that it took place? So these are the things that we have to uh, be able to reveal the truth of. The truth is in, in the evidence. If you don't have two or more witnesses, then um, you know it may not be enough evidence other than what you can prove. So once you're able to prove it, then you have the right to judge the matter if it was true or not. He says, with equity, with justice, with judgment, he will reprove the people's hearts. Reprove is to correct. So you can correct the wrong if you can't uh, reveal the truth, right? And then you have the right to judge. That's why we go before uh, people today, and people, they got, you know, got caught in the matter. They have courts in the land. Well, of course, they have their own law, and they do judge, right? Uh, we can go on uh, these TVs. Uh, you can see there's uh, judges on TV. They're judging the people, right? And they ask them uh, questions, sometimes hard questions, to prove whether or not something took place or it didn't take place. So just as they judge, we have his covenant to judge by. 
to prove matters whether it took place or not. But we, true, we, we do it the right way. Because his laws is above the nation's law. So the more that we stand in truth, the more that we are able to judge a cause in the matter. So we asking questions. We we doing it the right way to prove out what took place. Without that, we cannot judge because we're not looking for the truth. We're just trying to assume what took place, and that's what takes place in a lot of situations when you have corrupt government and things of that nature. People will make assumptions and blackmail other people and make them take the the rap for something that someone else did. Or maybe to advance to their situation. They just want this person out of the way so they can the work that, you know, someone else did. They get promoted based on somebody else's work. So we have to be able to speak the truth. And that's why he says the saints are going to judge the earth. Or he says the meek inherit the earth. You know, we have to think about these things. Think about the truth. And in him is counsel. He says he's a wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I got to answer a question just there right now. Mm-hmm. Who will inherit the, uh, the earth? Oh, uh, you want to see who will inherit the earth? Yeah, no, you, yeah, what you just said just now. Yeah, you see, you see in uh, uh, Daniel, I think, uh, 7 chapter, he said the saints. You see also in 1 Corinthians um, 6, he says, Do you not know the saints that judge the earth? The meek shall inherit it. So he's talking to the saints. The saints of the Most High, they inherit the earth. In Deuteronomy 33, he says, um, The saints, he come back with a fiery law, and his saints, they're they're around about his throne. We see that um, who is going to his the resurrection, he's coming for his saints. So the saints of the Most High, they are the ones who are, um, you know, that's what he wants of all of us to become saints. That is his plan. You know, Adam was perfect. That was his plan for all of us to be perfect in truth. Now, we're not perfect in truth. Something wrong with our heart now. So how can we come before the Father? He said, no man will see the Father unless he uh, die, because you have to be, uh, in, you have to pass the test of your truth, your heart. You know, a lot of people know it, they don't always do it. So the truth is, is what he desires. Yeah, let's take a look at the saints. Um, let's take a look at uh, Jeremiah 31.
Okay, this one starts at um, verse verse six, and uh-huh. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to see the saints, but I want to make sure we look at the expectation of his people. The plan is for his people. He called Israel children. Why are they children? Because children don't know. They got to be taught. When you are a full age, you're a saint. So there's a difference between the children and a difference between the saints. You know, uh, some people are babes. They, they, they learn and learn and learn. But, you know, just like the stages of development, the stages of the development in this kingdom. So a saint no better. A child, he doesn't know better. He's still learning his ways. So... This is verse 6. Um, verse 6 through through 11. Jeremiah 31, 6 through 11. There will be a day when watchmen fly out on the hills of Ephraim. Come, let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expecting mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my first son. Hear the, Lord of, hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than them. All right. So how is he going to do this? Now, Mustafa mentioned about who's going to you know, inherit the kingdom. We're going to see that in Daniel 7. I wasn't planning to go on there, but I would like to make sure that we go into everything that we speak on because it's important for us to see this right here. So Jeremiah 31 is affirming things to take place. But to possess the kingdom and who's going to reign over the kingdom, who's going to be in the authority, he tells us in Daniel 7. So in Daniel 7, let's take a look at um, verse 18. Daniel 7? Yes. Okay. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and forever. So the holy people, the saints... 
And if we go down to verse 27, we see it says, The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Amen. So I just put this here, and if you look at verse 22, it says, Until the ancients of days came, and judgment was given unto the saints of the Most High, and time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So when we see all these things, we know that the last kingdom of this earth has to be put down for the saints to rise. So that's why we're going to Jeremiah 31, because how is this kingdom established? It's, it's from the destruction of the nations. Their kingdoms are coming to an end, and that's how we rise. So you rise through your quality of being a saint. So these are his plans for us to get there. And so in Jeremiah 31, when we were back there, um, that was the focus to stay in these three books. But because of that, we wanted to go ahead and make sure we're still in alignment with um, what he's expecting of you. What does it mean to be a saint? you got authority. You're in the image of being a god. You are a god. So in his kingdom, you have the kingdom of God. So you have to know your authority on place where your purpose is. So what do you want? Um, so that's where we are there. So in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31, we talked about um, the times that, you know, he's going to bring the people and gather them from the coast of the earth and bring them together. So it's up to us to see all this take place. But that, how is going to gather us unless the destruction of the nations come to place? So that's a lot to go into. But uh, you see in Daniel, that was instruction. If you read Daniel 7, it talks about, uh, it talked about the beast, the fourth, the first, the second, the third beast. All these are nations that are rule over the whole earth. All those until the last one has to be destroyed. So when we're dealing with the European uh, Union, that's the union of all European countries. They're going to unite and be in control. But that wasn't the purpose of our topic, but the plan is to when the destruction of the kingdoms of this earth be, because he said he got to make all kingdoms, he got to put all enemies under his foot. What he's talking about is all nations under his foot. All nations will obey him. Everyone will serve him. And King David will be king over all Israel. So that is his plan there. So we see more in Jeremiah 33. So in 33, we start with, uh, I believe it's verse 15. 15. Yeah, because okay. what is, what is, we've been talking about righteousness. We've been talking about the truth. If you don't live by truth, you have no righteousness. Like, we have feelings. Our feelings should be connected to his word. It shouldn't be connected to our own truth. Our own truth, if our truth is not his truth, is not truth because it's not perfect. So uh, until our truth becomes his truth, we made perfect. We in his image. 
So we can have feelings, but yet it not be his truth because it doesn't line up with it. So if it's not an offense to us, yeah, that that is, you know, lining up with this truth. You offended, you know, someone for how you did something. That's truth. But it has to line up with his word because that's how you're in his image. So when you execute his truth, that's your power. You know, that, 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 you, know you can't let your power not be executed because that's your authority as a God on earth. So to do that, he says in certain days he's going to raise up a righteous branch. This remnant, not everybody going to do this. Not everybody going to keep this about. Not everybody going to come before him and fear him and learn how to glorify him before the nations. How do you glorify him? With your truth and everything that you do and everything that you say. In your work, you glorify him. People know that your work is good. Hello. What you do to execute the truth, that's according to your righteousness, and that's how he protects you. So let's start at verse 15 and uh, go down to 21. Jeremiah uh, 33 still? Yes, 15 through 21. Okay. Okay, yes, I'm going to start. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the same, this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord of Righteous Savior. For this is what the Lord says. David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of Israel. Mm-hmm. Nor will the Levitical priest ever fail to have a man to stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. Okay. So the Lord of the mm-hmm. Lord came to Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night no longer come at their appointed time, then my covenant with David, my servant, in my covenant with the Levites who are priests ministering before me can be broken and David will no longer have a descendant to reign over the strong. I will make the descendants of David my servant and the Levites who minister before me as countless as the stars in the sky and as measureless as the sand. On the seashore. The word of God came to Jeremiah 23. Okay, so that's getting some more stuff. So you see, Abraham, he gave him a covenant that his children would be like the sands of the sea, right? But he says to King David, if you can't break the covenant with a day, the sun come up, that gives you day. And with the covenant with the night, the moon come up, 
if you can't break that, if that if that covenant is still in effect, then the covenant he made with King David is still in effect. That's your sign. That's the faith that he's looking that his word would not turn void. So when we don't know his plan, we have no idea how his kingdom of heaven coming on earth. We have no idea. We have no idea the saints or the most high are who he give praise, who he honor greatly. He said that even the priests, the priests, the, the, the Levites, my ministers, nobody going to offer sacrifice but they. So even the host of heaven, they cannot be numbered. You know, the host of heaven cannot be numbered. Neither can the sand of the sea, so I multiply the seed of King David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. But if you look at the end of that, he says in 25, he says, uh, I guess you're going to continue to read 24, 25, 26. Those are good. Those are, those are really good. So uh, it's, more, it's more to this because he shows you how King David is going to reign over Abraham's seed. Okay. They're going to be rulers. So those that come after King David are going to be rulers. Those who know that King David is going to reign on the throne, you're going to be rulers in the kingdom. This is your this is your expectation. If you know this, do what you need to do, and you'll be a ruler over the seed of Abraham. Because the seed of Abraham, he says, even all the nations shall come into the seed of Abraham. So you'll be rulers over nations. You'll be rulers over people. How you conduct yourself in this kingdom. So, you know, when you look at this, uh, who is going to despise his people from doing what he says? That's what you see in 24. They despise my people, that they should be no more a nation before him. That's why a lot of people are looking to kill our people. They're despising what's going to take place. Some new people, they know what's going to take place, but they despise it, so they, they're killing off who they can kill off. However, you knowing his word, you are in authority of his covenant, and he says, Touch not my anointed. So you that know the covenant, you have a, we have a job. But those that don't know him, they have no protection. So we have a job. And they see in 26, he says, uh, I will cast away the seed of Yacoub and David my servant. So I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham. These are the people who are not going to honor the covenant. But the covenant keepers, they're the ones who are going to be rulers. Amen. So those were the books of Jeremiah there. And um, I guess um, later on, the last part was Isaiah. Isaiah was talking about um, the glory of his kingdom and how we're going to live a long time. When his kingdom is set up, a child will be a child for like 100 years. So we'll see how time is going back to where it was in the beginning. Hallelujah. And man will live longer days on earth because it's going to be a new heaven and new earth. So um, this is all the glory of Yah that he has revealed in his kingdom. But this is by the prophets. 
all you see that we hit here is by the prophets, um, and that's what's in his word to be revealed for us as his plans. His plans are nearer to us if we uh, keep to them. If we disregard them and don't think about them to meditate on them, um, his plans are far from us. And so we're doing what we think is right. And his ways become higher than our ways because we have no idea of his ways. So the more we're closer in line with his paths, we make our work closer to him. So whatever work you choose to do, make it, make it, you know, make it your truth to walk one with him. So, you know, he didn't say you had to choose this work. You have a choice in what work you choose, but choose the plan in which he laid out for you in your work. And we to gather together with the saints. That's what you want to do. So we do this on appointed times. We do this in times we celebrate. And so um, that's what he's calling us here to do. And so when we look at the Sabbath day, we look at the plan, the plan of salvation, the plan of gathering his people. Because you start as a child, but you grow up. You don't stay as a child forever. In this kingdom, you have a purpose, you have a place to do something. If you're a ruler, you're definitely not a child. Right? You can't rule over over people as a child, can you? Huh. You have to know. Yeah, you have to know your place in the kingdom based on your work. It's your work that allows you to do things. Spiritually, physically. Your work establishes your relationships that you have. And as you do it, he will make your path straight. He's ordering your steps according to your desire of your heart. So we'll go ahead and conclude here. If there's any um, questions or anything uh, anybody wants to comment on, we'll conclude here and uh, take an hour break. And, uh, anything anyone else wants to discuss or say? Um, I I wrote this one when we were reading Psalms, so I'll share with you Psalms. Just when my life was disappointing, when all were laughing and pointing, he humbled me and opened my eyes to the sun. Truly my life had just begun. Oh yes, because I feared him, my life was no longer grim. He stayed not silent. Because I trusted in him and feared him, he made his covenant known to me. He was not silent. I trusted in him and prayed, and as, I, as promised, he told me his ways. No longer will I stay silent, for that equals more, mere violence. Only righteousness and justice, because God, you provide justice. So forever, help me speak the truth. Make my deeds proof of your everlasting truth. Let your truth be my truth. All selfishness cease, and if proclaiming your name ends my earthly peace, I pray you strengthen me to do your work, for I'm blessed to put in the hour. You are faithful and always remember your covenant. God, you know your laws and precepts are my maintenance. Forever I seek your wisdom. Yes, therefore each day I repent. Amen. 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 Which, which, which chapter is that? 
There is the first, it was the first three books of Psalms that we read that I was writing, I started writing it after that. Yeah, you said, let my truth be my truth. Let your truth be my truth. Yeah. So a lot of times we don't think about that. How can the truth be our truth if we don't seek out his truth? Yes, because we want our truth to be his truth. Yeah. yeah. So how can we do that if we don't seek out his commandments? We yeah. Don't know. We, think, we think what we think is right. So, yeah, this is, um, you know, this takes us higher. You know, he's our defense. He's our protection when our truth is his truth. Man. Sometimes I think we have to have a lot of humility. We can hear you. I said sometimes you, we have to have a, a lot of humility to be able to see God through sometimes because uh, God through can be any place. Any place, any through any person, as long as the person is clean, God, it can be, you have to be able to, to know about God's truth. Because sometimes it can be through a baby, a child can come tell you something. Like you say, one, uh, uh, last time you listen to your children. And uh, it can be through a child. And God can use anyone, any blessing person, to talk to you what you should hear. And uh, if you are not that, uh, but sometimes you let that you go. And later on you will sit back and say, yes, I think I hear this somewhere. You know, everything we, I think, uh, to help us uh, to understand better God is to learn how to be close to Him, to learn how to listen to Him. It's not, He can come to us. Talk to us in our mind, but sometimes he can go through a person. Instinctive person. What I say instinctive because in this world here, some people may be instinctive, but for God, we are not. They are not. So, and um, you have to know how to be patient and to listen to that person, to that child, or that old person, or that young person. But, if you don't have enough community, sometimes you reach it. That you can go constantly. And the time you realize immediately that you need more community in your life. What we do right now is good because it will help each of us. Because like I always say, 
Like my mom always say, may she rest in peace. My grandma, may they rest in peace. We never finish too long. Be ready to love. And sometimes I remember I can see the young people. I got some cows in there. When my my grandma was talking sometimes, that is, oh, again. Wow. I wish the person will have a chance, that opportunity to sit down next to her, the grandma. I did not realize at that time that it was important when I would listen to her. I would bring that to please her because I love her. Because I did not like the way my other cousin was treating her. So today, she's not here. And I'm older now. I realized that it was a blessing to listen to her. By that time, I wasn't thinking about blessing. I was thinking about what? Because I love my grandma. And I do not like the way my cousin was treating her, do not listen to her, was oh, again, I always walk away. I do not like that. But I'll come to her because I can see she was kind of fishing. She wants to talk to us and nobody wants to listen. So I come next to her and say, then, Grandma, you will sing something I want. And all these things, he encouraged her to talk to me more. And now I, I used to, I was used to now to always go with the time, sit next to her and listen to her. And, you know, and she talks and talks. And I don't ask questions. Rarely I will ask questions. Because I know one thing. In the village, in the, uh, the culture, the, the old person says, learn to listen. Close your mouth and learn to listen. If you want to know better, with all the thank you, thank you know from the white people's school, put in your suitcase in the room and come as a newborn to listen. You will learn from us. I remember always that the people saying that, you know, when the old people talk, they don't talk straight, they always come through Proverbs, talk to you through Proverbs. They will not sit and talk to you, you know. So that was in my mind when I was listening to my grandma. Just listen to her. I don't think it was hard. I listen to her. And today, with my own life, I think it was a blessing. It was just love for her. Respect for her, affection for her, not like what my father was doing, so I want to see her. I didn't want to see her. 
Alléluia.